This is Turn on the Jets Film Room, your weekly extensive breakdown of New York Jets X's and O's. <laughs> now, here are your hosts, Joe Blewett. Stop route in the middle, curl. I actually like to start from Dawn. Maybe I want to see him get rid of the ball a little bit sooner as he sees the soft coverage, but I like how he leads him outside. Great freaking snag. That's a snag, man. And former Texas Tech All-American, current Arena League coach, and the hero of the Monday Night Miracle, Marcus, Marcus Coleman. Coleman. That is again by Coleman. You got to hand it to Marcus Coleman. He made the play earlier to pick it off in front of Gadsden, and then he read the eyes of the quarterback here. That interception is his third of the game, and that ties a Jets team mark. On Turn on the Jets Digital. And welcome back to Turn on the Jets Film Room. Uh, it's been a little bit since we recorded, about, what, three weeks for me, about a month for Marcus, so we're excited to get back. Um, and talking some football with all you guys, uh, we just got actually messages on YouTube or comments on YouTube, like, where the hell are you guys? You know, I'm, I'm uh, kind of dying for some football talk, so we're going to give it to you. Um, next, this show, we're obviously going to do a lot of Greg Williams stuff, some fits in the 4-3 scheme that the Jets will most likely be switching into, even though there's been, there's been some rumors that they won't be, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and Marcus, before we get into it, what's up, man? Busy, man. As you can tell, should be in a training camp and <laughs> making cuts and doing all kind of stuff. So, uh, the, uh, we're going to meet up tonight as a team and watch the first IFL game tonight, you know, David Busters, which is around the corner from the facility. And just Rex Ryan rolling. That's about it. Rex Ryan moved David Busters. I see where you got that from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I got like I, people would say like, oh, I wish we could be a fly on the wall for some of the meetings. I was like sitting here ready to record with Marcus. Somebody walks in, is like talking about hotels and cuts and training camps. Like, oh, all right, cool. Like, hey, I got a kind of first first hand uh, experience with inside of professional football teams uh, and how how it works a little bit. But um, yeah, you got like I said, you got training camp. You got uh, you got a bunch of stuff going on. I got a bunch of stuff going on and. It's funny, like the amount of film I'm doing, like I'll, I'll watch prospects and like have them super, super down after I do them. Like I'll write notes on them and then like somebody will ask me about them like a week later. I'm like, I forget what he does well. <laughs> I forget what he does bad. But like we got so much, <laughs> we got so much stuff going going on. Um, like I said, if you want to follow me on Twitter, JoeRB31, I just posted a 58-play review of Le'Veon Bell listing all strengths, all weaknesses, um, getting like a write-up of the free agent situation and what I think about him coming to the Jets, et cetera. So you can check that out. Um, you can follow Marcus at PatchMC42 uh, as well, no spaces. Uh, we got one five-star rating uh, since we've been gone. Obviously, we're not going to get a ton of ratings if we've been gone. Uh, but the last show we did with me and Marcus with uh, you know the, Adam, the whole Adam Gase show, we actually got over 1,000 views. So we appreciate that. Uh, we just started building this thing, so we appreciate everybody for one. There's been a ton of people who've been telling me that they're telling like their parents and their family and their friends are getting onto the show and it's, and it's reflecting in the, in the views and stuff like that. So uh, we really appreciate that. Now, if you could just go take literally five minutes of your time or even just a second, give us a five-star rating, give us a five-star uh, review, you know, tell us what you'd like about the show. We can improve on. We really, we really, really appreciate that. Um, and it's time to, time to get going for this uh, criminally underrated interracial podcast, Marcus. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember that comment, but <laughs> Yeah, that was that was going still. I still I still uh, yeah. laugh at that when I see it. <clears throat> um, like I said, we got Greg Williams. We're talking about the new coaches a little bit. See if Marcus has heard of any of them or can say anything on them. A uh, ton of stuff has gone on. We have the AAF, which has kicked off, which 
oddly has a lot of Jets players on it, um, which just talks about kind of their drafting over the recent years. Uh, we got, you know, Robert Kraft getting some rub and tugs. We have the Super Bowl, you know, going. That already happened. Um, so what are your, what's your thoughts on the AAF and the, and the Super Bowl, Marcus? Just because I haven't really talked to you in a while. Uh, well, I mean, as a defensive guy, obviously, I like the Super Bowl. I, mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't like it because they thought it was boring. But it was cool seeing Wade Phillips and and Belichick and, 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 and Brian Flores, you know, kind of go at it. I actually enjoyed the Super Bowl, even though it was a little rather have games like that than just have blowouts or have shootouts all the time. Uh, you know, sometimes those can get boring to me. You know, you just nobody's playing any damn defense. So, so it's frustrating. Like, you know, I, yeah, it's kind of frustrating. So I like the Super Bowl. But, and with the AAF, the AAF actually looks pretty decent, the truth. Um, they're doing a lot, of, you know, a lot of different things offensively, you know, but you have a lot of different, you know, offensive guys. Mike Martz, you know, for example, and and I know his system's pretty complicated, but he's kind of, you know, dialed it back a little bit. So these guys just go out and play defensively. You know, we send a lot of plays being made. So I am actually like the AAF. You know, I think it's, it's doing okay. You know, for the first couple of weeks, you know, I think it's been, been pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's I I definitely like some things that they're they're doing, in t- including like you know being a little bit more lax with the penalty flags and and that type right. of stuff. Um, overtime and how that works, I like it a little bit more. And Christian Hackenberg still sucks. We've seen that he's like the worst player in the AAF as well, which is just crazy. The Jets draft oh, like, around still. He needs to hang it up. Yeah, he needs to be just be done. Um, but yeah, so let's let's, let's just get into the Greg Williams stuff. Uh, we, <coughs> there's a ton that we have to talk about. Um, this is going to be less like film centric because with Adam Gase, you can show the offense and that type of stuff for me to show you defensive plays and defensive looks that aren't like big plays. It's, it's going to bore the hell out of even the biggest film guys. Um, so we're going to talk about it more. Right. It's like, like I, I like watching defense, but watching defense to look for looks and what they do and different type of defenses. I was losing it watching the Browns just over and over again in their defensive looks. Um, even though, like you said, with the Super Bowl, uh, I like defense. Um, and if those games that are like 50 to 50, you know, nine, not 50 to 59, but like what was that, the Rams and the Chiefs, you know, like 52 to 49, I like it to an extent, but at the same oh, time, it's yeah. frustrating to watch terrible defense just over and over again because I like defense more than offense as well. Um, but let's just get into some of the topics that I have around it, then we'll get into some of the X's and O's parts of it. Um, and one of the main issues and one of the main things I heard when Williams was hired was that him and Gase are going to, are, are going to clash and they're going to butt heads a little bit. Uh, Marcus, what do, what do you think about this, and do you think it will be a problem? Because personally, um, it's, for me, it's kind of simple. If you're winning, none of this stuff is going to come up. If you're losing, there's, going, there's, a, there's, there's like potential for a clash between them because they are both hot-headed guys. Uh, hopefully the Jets never have to even get right. they don't come to that because they are winning. Uh, I, I think there is a little bit of a chance for a flare-up, which you don't want to see. It separates the team. It separates the offense and the defense. So it's a, it's a little bit of a worry, um, but I'm not, like, overly concerned like some people are. Yeah, I mean, but the way that they have it set up, where although Gase is the head coach, it's more of like – it's almost like they're co-head coaches. Mm-hmm. So Ray Williams is going to just take care of the defense. Gase is going to handle the offense. And there's no one person, for example, like a Bill or a Tomlin, that's kind of like hovering over, overseeing everything. You know, they kind of have their own, you know, with their, you know, their own teams and their own side. So, you know, as long as they both handle their business, you know, I don't think there'll be an issue. And I know, you know, even though they're both, you know, pretty stubborn, um, you know, 
and especially Greg Williams, you know, he speaks his mind quite a bit. Uh, I don't know how much, you know, Gates does. You've got two guys, you know, that are kind of alpha males in the same room. I think they'll figure out how to make it work. But I think the way that they have sure to where nobody just kind of like oversees like everything and they're split up like that, I think it'll help out, you know, with, with the flair of it being so intense. Now, I'm not going to say that there's not going to be one because there's probably going to be one, especially if they start off the season and they're one in three or one in four. Like, yeah, something's bound to happen. Please, no, God, just what it is. Not I don't think it'll be, yeah, it'll, it'll probably, you know, it won't be as bad as what, what everybody's making it out to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll talk about some of the other coaches too. And with just with Greg Williams, something else I noted, um, he was listen. You're getting a coach, and I I always like when coaches are like higher up, like a head coach. They get demoted to defensive coordinator on another team because you're getting um, more of a coach. And as the interim coach with with the Browns, he you know Greg Williams was five and three. Um, he didn't get the head coaching job that he wanted, so he just, he decided to leave town. So um, I'm happy with it. I thought that he personally should have got the Cleveland job. I think he has much more experience than a Freddie Kitchens who was, I believe, a running back coach, then an offensive coordinator. Now he's going from running back coach to offensive coordinator to head coach all within, like, the same year. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit of room for disaster. So I actually think that he should have got the, the head coaching job. But, hey, I'm, I'm fine with it because uh, the Greg Williams hire was something that for a lot of people like, kind of lessened the sting of the Adam Gase hire. Um, some people hated the Adam Gase hire. I hate it for certain reasons, uh, including his personality. But in terms of X's and O's, me and Marcus broke it down. I, I personally liked what he, what he brought. Uh, what he brings and what he will bring to the Jets um, for my overall feelings from Marcus doing that show. I think he um, is relatively impressed with the offense, uh, but Marcus just going, cause we already talked about it. We already talked about Adam Gase, obviously as a whole two part series, but is there another thing on, on Greg Williams that you've like personally heard from players or from other coaches or around the league? Because you were in the league playing when Greg Williams was, I don't know what team he was, or I think, I think you were pretty close at least. Um, yeah. So clarify that, and then if you have anything that you um, have heard about him personally or about his teams or anything like that. Uh, Team-wise, I, I mean, honestly, from what I've heard from the players that I know that play with him, they all love him, to be quite honest with you. Like, nobody's had an issue with him. Uh, he's manning, which is fine, and, you know, every now and then you may get dog cussed, you know, every now and then, but he doesn't do it to a point where, like, he's going just to do it. You know, uh, he does it because – you know, he cares and he wants guys to be successful. So, but, you know, guys love, you know, all the guys that I know, they they really enjoy playing for him. So mm-hmm. I, I don't see that being an issue, you know, with the Jets. I think they're going to like him, like his personality. You know, he's not one of these coaches that – he's not a bend, don't break kind of guy. You know, he's he likes to attack, you know, when he, whenever he gets, gets the opportunity to do so. And then, you know, and he'll challenge guys – you know, even during games, you know, he'll challenge guys to make certain plays or, you know, make sure they're in the right spot, depending on what the offense is doing. So I think they're going to love him. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's an issue, you know, with him, you know, him coming there. I think the guys are going to love him. And, and I don't know him. I've met him, you know, a couple of times and he seemed like, a, you know, straight up and, you know, he's pretty clear cut about what he likes to do. So, so I don't, that's why I don't really see an issue, you know, in that regard. Yeah, um, and from what I've seen, and we'll talk about, like I said, the fits with players. Um, he's out, he definitely likes those dog type of players, the guys who are tough and get in your face and really highly energetic. Uh, in terms of the front seven, he really likes really athletic type of guys. Um, just the, like I said, we'll get to the X's and O's, but the amount of stunts and twist and gap, exchange, gap exchange that defense has, um, you're going to see some more athletic type players in this defense for sure. Um, 
so there, there's like times where there's like an outside linebacker, it's like 250 pounds was like lining up as a one tech. It was like the some of the craziest things I've ever seen. Um, so his defense is definitely really, really complex. It's not a simple defense, right? Um, at least you know from what I saw, and like I said, we'll get into that. Um, mm-hmm. Now there's been some rumors about the Jets, and there's like it, it just came out of nowhere. Like everybody's like, okay, four three, four three, four three, and I still think they're going to go to a four three. Now people are saying, oh well, they're going to stay in a three four, and I've said it since the beginning. Uh, one, Greg Williams has always coached four three. That's that that's the been in his mo of the, his entire um, you know coaching his whole, entire coaching tenure wherever he's been in the NFL. Um, but I, I said this, like I said in the beginning, don't just act like they're going going to go right to a four three. They're going to have to slowly transition from a three from a three four to a four three. You can't, that's not just a change you can just do overnight. Um, so I still think they are going to be a a four three primary defense. But I think there are there's going to be some three four looks because you don't have necessarily the players to to fit that four three right away. Uh, a lot of people say too, and I think this is actually get it, it got to the point where it's understated, Marcus, and then now it's a little bit overstated, where like, oh well the base defense doesn't matter because we're losing dime. Yeah, but you still either you most of the time you're still gonna have either three players down or four players down and what they're doing, um whether two whether it be two gapping or penetrating, it still matters your your base defense. So people act like it almost doesn't matter at all, but but it, it matters in my opinion. Marcus, you're uh, oh, hold on. You're muted. There you go. Oh, sorry about that. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, the thing with, with especially somebody like Greg Williams and Wade Phillips does the same thing. I mean, his base is kind of like three four, or or I should say, he comes from a three four. But in a three four, if you play a lot of under front, it's basically a four three. That's all it is. So you'll see a lot of under fronts, you know, things like that. Um, you know, to kind of get him, particularly on, on passing, you know, in passing situations, you'll probably see that. So he can get the four-man pressure like he likes. Uh, or uh, he may stay in the 3-4, depending on who the outbackers are and if they're able to cover and either, you know, come, you know, with pressure, you know, from that way. You know, and you can run do a lot of different things out of the 3-4 in regards to your linebackers. But if you had, for example, if you look at the Patriots, you know, the Patriots solely made their transition from a 3-4, you know, to more or less a 4-3, now, they're week to week, so they're a little different. They don't have – you know, they really don't have just one set defense that they play, and mm-hmm. they hadn't done that in, in a long time. But, you know, if you look at how they are when they're in nickel or dime or things like that, and even in, in some of their – you know, first down and some of their base stuff, you know, they're still they're still more or less a 3-4 team. They're just playing the other three, and it looks like a 4-3. So there's a lot of things that you can do with that. So I wouldn't read too much into where they're just going to be a 3-4 a team and whatever it is. And, yes, the personnel that's in place right now, you know, because of Coach Bowles, they do have 3-4 personnel, but there's still a lot that you can do with that 3-4 personnel depending on how you shift the fronts to turn it into or have the – you know, give the look of a 4-3. Of a yeah, we'll go into that. Like I said, with the, with the X's and O's, only a few more things. And just in terms of the, like my my thoughts on the hire, and I have this in the notes. It's just the no nonsense um, type of coach. There, he's not going to be okay with his players blowing coverages consistently or or, or just blowing one on one snaps, uh, like we saw with Bulls, which I didn't get, and you don't get either because you said Bulls, the guy who took who held guys accountable. We don't know what happened, but I know with Greg Williams, it's not going to it's not going to happen. There's not going to be guys not ready at the snap or missing practice or missing meetings or the laziness that we saw all the time on the field with even, even like some like stuff as simple. Like we would see Tremaine Johnson, you'd have a guy go in motion and him like walk to get set and then and then the ball would be snapped and he'd still be – 
you know, coming, you know, from one side of the field to the other without his feet set because he just wasn't running with the guy. Like, little things like that I don't think are going to happen under um, Greg Williams, and I like that. Right. I like the fact that you say that players like playing for him, and, you know, even though he is tough. Um, but for me, even playing at a high school level, I'm sure for you, uh, you seem like the type of guy who you appreciate that toughness, especially if guys aren't being held accountable. That, that would piss you off more than having a coach who's going to get in your face a little bit. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I would yeah. like a tough coach as long as he's reasonably tough. If, if he's just an asshole all the time, then, yeah, I'm not going to like him. But if he's going to be tough because, because there's a reason to be tough on a guy, I'm, I'm completely fine with it. Right. Yeah, so, and, he, he, and, and yeah, he does that you know, for the reason of he's not doing it just to be an asshole. Like he's doing it because he, you know, he demands expectation and he has a bar that in a standard that he likes to set. So guys jogging on late emotion, for example, have to know plays. He's just not going to go for that. He'll bench you before he and put a guy in that's never played before, before that even happens. That's just guy mm-hmm. he is. And, and, and as a player, yeah, I would respect that more than a coach, you know, you know, as a player, like you said, I'd be pissed off too. You know, if I'm out here, you know, and I'm busting my ass and you're lazy getting to where you're supposed to be, not hustling to make tackles or, or getting to where you're supposed to be, yeah, that would piss me off. So I think it'll be good considering, you know, considering what we saw, you know, from the Jets, you know, last year where guys weren't hustling like they should be. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. And even though, even though Bowles, even though his defense wasn't complicated either, we, Greg Williams does a good job. And, and this is just from what I've seen over the years. He keeps it simple enough to where guys can just go play. So you don't have to worry about tons of adjustments, things like that. You don't have to overthink it. You know, you just go out and just fly around and go play ball. And I think that's why, even if you look at Cleveland, Cleveland, they don't do a whole lot. You know, they didn't do a whole lot when he was, you know, when he was the D.C. there. Uh, you know, they only played a few coverages. Uh, you know, some things he may have added a wrinkle or two here with, you know, with some stunts or things like that. But he made it to the point where the guys could just go out and play and play fast, and, and their defense was pretty good. So I think, he, you know, he'll come with that same form, you know, especially in the first year with them trying to get to know him. And, you know, as the year goes, you know, maybe as the year goes on or even next year, then he'll start to add a few more little things. Yeah, let's get into the, um, the X's and O's a, a little bit. Cause I, 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 I do think there was a lot of um, – movement with like gap exchange and stuff like that on in the front seven um which kind of resulted there's like there's like there's negatives and positives for that those stuff that we will get into with a lot of blitzes from different places and a lot of gap exchange because then you have guys out of position you need guys who can move laterally if those guys can move laterally they don't have as much power to anchor down versus double teams uh with a lot of blitzes from different places you can't it's, it's a little bit harder to disguise your defense uh you know pre-snap in my opinion so let's let's get into the x's and o's um and just something else i noted he has 30 years of, of coaching experience um on on his on his belt so that's a good thing as well um so for the and i'm, I'm kind of going to read a lot of stuff like not i'm not going to read it word for word but the article i wrote down where i really sat down and broke it all down um some of the fronts that that i saw uh, from from him four three over four three under four two five bounce look four two five over four two five under four four threes four five twos three three fives three four oaky three four eagle uh three four uh ba- or actually four three balanced uh two four five two five four two five three two three six bare fronts double mugs overloads and more um there's a lot uh at, at least from what i saw yeah. um but from the ba- the basic, like the most the most basic things, you're going to get those looks in almost every single defense. But what it really boiled down to, the most thing that I saw were four three overs, um, which we will show you. 
Uh, actually, mm-hmm. here, we can do that right now. I'll, uh, I'll share my screen real quick just so people know like, what I'm talking, like four, three overs, I think you're going to see a lot. Um, I don't know if I can just... – yeah, I can zoom in on that, right? You can see that. Um, yeah. So this is a four, three over. You could – so you're going to have uh, five tech, one tech backside, uh, three tech front side, and then a five tech. This, this strong side linebacker, he, sometimes he's out of the box in, in, a, in a four, three over. Sometimes he's in the box. At, that depends on the coach. Right. Um, but this is a basic four, three over front for people who are, who are looking. So this is, you say like, you know, the linebackers now, now with this type of look, you, you usually have in a three, four, you don't, you'd have uh, outside linebacker here, like a Jordan Jenkins or whoever it may be, who's why, and that's why he's a primary rush guy. And you need that outside linebacker in a three-four to rush. Now in a four-three, you could see as these guys are on the line of scrimmage, they're closest to the quarterbacks. So you need the you need the DNs in a four-three to be the primary rush guys, which I don't really think the Jets have because a four-three end versus three-four outside linebacker is a little bit different. Um, when you really look at like the you know when you look at like the yeah. nitty gritty, you could it, it's it it could be pretty similar at times, but um, the four three ends a little bit bigger. Let's say like two seventy two seventy five can rush where a outside linebacker <clears throat> a three four because he doesn't have to deal with guards and tackles and pullers and stuff like that like a four three end does. The the outside linebacker in a three four is a little bit more athletic, where the four three um, guy has to be a little bit bigger, but still a little rush as well. So like four three ends are freaks, um, but yeah, this is just a four three over front for people yeah. who are you know curious. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll get into the other here. I'll stop sharing that. Just like like I said, I wanted to bring up some stuff um, just so people like get like a visual because I don't want to pull up a bunch of stuff on the computer, but I have some more things. Okay, so. Um, like I said, four two five, three three five, two four five. There's a lot of times too uh, where he just has does have two down defensive linemen, and then he'll keep the uh, he'll keep two guys really really wide as like almost like like nine techs, uh, where they almost are like outside linebackers where a guy like Miles right. Garrett would play. Um, and that's where a guy like people say, okay, well, Josh Allen can't fit in this defense. I'm not sure if you got into a ton of film of Josh Allen, Marcus, but uh, he's a guy. You put him at nine tech. That's like a perfect. That's a perfect type of role for him because he has like crazy speed and crazy athleticism. So um, he could definitely fit. Um, right. But I guess anything to add to all that? No, I mean, I mean, obviously this was out of the four three. So I mean, you're gonna see. I mean, you're gonna see like a lot of you know, different movements and different fronts. And he's been there for a couple of years. So that's, you know, why I said mm-hmm. you may get, you know, as time goes on, you know, he'll start implementing a lot yeah. of these things. I, I don't, I don't be able to throw all of this, you know, at the guys, <laughs> you know, in the first year. I yeah. mean, cause it, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. So I don't mm-hmm. really see that, see that happening. Now I can't see, like I said, in passing situations, you probably get some four, two, five stuff, some two, you know, some two, five, four, some, you know, uh, six DBs. I mean, just depending on who you're playing, you'll probably get a lot of that. And but that's not that hard to pick up because the coverage is for for the you know the secondary. It works out the same. Yeah. You know, anyway, the only thing is, you know, you just got those guys replacing linebackers, mm-hmm. and, and you know they're they're the ones dropping into the zone. So that shouldn't be too hard. So you may see you know a little bit of that, but in regards to like the fronts and the movements, I don't think you're gonna get just like a ton of that stuff here, like you saw in Cleveland. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I think it's going to be a slow transition. You can't just transition the first year, the first game into doing all this stuff and, and having four, three personnel to be like, oh, we're going to stay in a three, four. Yeah, you're going to see more three, four looks than you did with, with the Browns. But over the next year or two that he's here, you're going to see a lot more of four man fronts. It's just, it's just how it works with uh, coaches who have, you know, if you're a four, three coach and that's, that's where you coach, 
it's not just that necessarily easy to go right to a three, four. I know a lot of people say, Oh, well, good coaches should be able to adapt. And yeah, to a certain extent, but like to change your entire defensive philosophy with the, with the front seven, uh, it's, it's not that easy. Like it's not, it's not that easy to coach. People will think, okay, good coach, good coach. Like it's, you know, um, but I guess defensive linemen usually penetrating two gapping. That's something else that I, that I noticed where like Bill Belichick, like you said, wherever, wherever he may be in that, that week, he'll have one side of the line, but let's just say it's four guys, two guys, uh, two gapping and then two guys penetrating. Like his defense is pretty crazy, but for the most part, right. um, Greg Williams does penetrate those, those guys. Uh, now in terms of coverages wrote down a lot of cover three, a ton of cover three. Uh, it's either a regular cover three or with, or, or a cover three buzz. That's for the most part where I saw cover two. Um, typically, it's Tampa. It's there, there are some times it's just regular cover two. Um, cover one, right. more press with a hole than, than a robber type. We're going to have the robber would be come down from the, the, the safety. Uh, it's more with a hole, which is just a, a linebacker dropping to that hole coverage. Uh, cover six, red right. two, green two, combo coverages, brackets. Uh, cones, traps from both corners and safeties like I put down. Um, but, like I said, heavy cover one, heavy – uh, cover three, you're gonna see some Tampa, Tampa two in there, um, for the most part. And, and cover one, like I, like I mentioned, um, is you see it a lot, and that's because of the blitz. Cover, cover one, man. Um, you see more teams who blitz a lot play a lot more man, just because it's easy. You, you take the guy across from you instead of playing zones mm-hmm. where if you're gonna blitz and do a lot of different things with the fronts, if you need to get guys from let's say inside the hash mark to to outside to match the number two in a trap defense, it's a little bit more like difficult when you have all these moving parts. Um, but, um, right. yeah, so, but like I said, every, every coach uses a lot of different fronts, coverages, all the, all this stuff. Uh, and I wanted to bring up one example of like one thing I saw, hold on, let me, uh, let me put or pull this up real quick. Oh, um, all right. So this is one of the front, like, and this is why I said like some of the, some of the complex stuff. I don't know why it's not like, okay. So, oops. So you can see this, right, Marcus? Everybody else can see this. You're going to see my mouse move. Yeah. There, was, there was one defense where you actually had a, du- a double trap. Okay, so I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to go step-by-step step here. You had a trap on, you had a trap on, 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 this, on this side with this corner. Um, you'd have – okay, so actually let me start from this way. You'd have this corner blitz, this middle linebacker blitz. You'd have this deep tackle come out and match the number the number two so he so he would drop out match the number two this strong safety would play a trap on the two this free safety would come over top to play uh the the deep uh one half this nickel corner would come out come to this this deep one half uh this this corner right here would play a a trap on the number two um right this linebacker would rotate over to where, where i think this route this Sorry, this linebacker rotated over here. This middle linebacker blitzed. This D tackle matched the number two. Like, and I think it's called uh, cover cover six trap uh, Kathy. So like, there were some crazy things that I that I saw from. Yeah. Oh yeah, Kathy. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. So um, like I said, a nickel there. This safety rotating over. This safety trapping. This guy blitzing. This guy blitzing. This D tackle matching the two. It was like there are some complex things and it's not going to take um, that one year. Like, like, like we were just saying. So, uh, but like I said, with cones, with traps, you're, it's, it's going to, um, and actually let's just talk about that really quick, Marcus, because uh, just to kind of, we, we talk about, and it's, uh, this isn't every single front. This is just a, this is a, this is a nickel defense. 
Um, we talked about the trap. The trap, if you want to take somebody through a trap on either side of, of this, Marcus, just so um, they know what we're talking about a little bit with a trap. Yeah, that's not, yeah. I mean, you gonna put up an example or okay. I mean, it's basically the corners giving you, and, and I even do it in this league a little bit to tell you the truth, and I do it from, mm-hmm. uh, I use to do it and I do it with the corner. So if I got, if I have, um, I kind of do it out of trips to tell you the truth, which is a little different. But if, uh, if you got, you know, two to the side, obviously, so the corner can either fake like he's playing two with outside leverage, and if, Number two runs. Sorry, I didn't. Out. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't uh, give you the uh, the formation here, so I, I apologize. I didn't see that. Oh yeah. Here. No, that's cool. Yeah. No. So I mean, even in this set, let's just go sort of the on the right where your mouse is on that on that two man side. Yeah. So the corner can play like the corner can play outside like he's playing two and give the thing, you know, with his alignment and everything like he the appearance that he's playing two and jam and reroute the guy inside. And if number two, you know, while doing that, if number two running runs the thing out you know, anything like that, then he jumps it, you know, immediately. So you're trapped, you know, you're, tra- you're basically, you're trapping number two. With with um, with um the free safety and the nickel, which is something that I kind of do in this league, I would have them actually have them on the same level. So in this league, you know, we I have them lined up to like six or seven yards, um, you know, and I'll have, you know, and I have them, you know, slowly come out. But what happens is if anything quick across or going across, uh, the free safety to jump it, you know, and, and, you know, that way. So you can trap different guys, you know, whether it be mm-hmm. number two, uh, if you, you, know, you can also, you know, run, I mean, but it essentially ends up being a cone. You can trap number one with the safety in the corner. Uh, if this guy, if number two goes in motion and creates a trip situation, uh, you can end up having it with the nickel in the corner being in the trap situation. So there's different ways to where you can do it. But essentially, you just want to give the appearance that you're playing some kind of zone or another way is the corner on the outs- on the on number one can line up inside and play like man and start running with him like he's playing man. And mm-hmm. while he's doing that, he turns around immediately to see where number two is. And if number two runs anything coming quick to the, you know, quick to the flat or anything like that, he can jump that as well. Yeah, and that's a disguise because he's going to be there. He's yeah. going to be there anyway if, right. it's, if it's a cover two trap. Right, and obviously the safety would be the one to jump over the top if he can see if one runs deep, then he takes number one by himself. Yeah, like so, I mean, there's a lot of ways. Yeah, that's a lot of ways that you can do it, though. No, yeah, and no, and and that's a, that was a good description of it. And basically, like just for simpletons, it's it's you're you're trapping the number two. So if the number two cuts out, um, the number one jumps it and passes this this uh this a uh, number one off to the safety of the nickel, whatever, whatever they're doing. Um, now right. if this guy goes inside or, you know, he goes vertical, then he just plays like a normal cover two. If it is a cover two trap. Now for a cone, um, let's just say we're coning the number one here, uh, take the nickel out of it right here. And you're, you're, you're coning with the, with the safety. If this number one cuts in uh, for, for the cones, the, the most like, generic cone that I know uh, the safety jumps it and the corner's kind of going to replace him. If right. he goes vertical, they're both going to double him. If he if this number one cuts out, then the free safety basically is he's free. He could basically do whatever he wants. If, the, if there was if there was two or three on this side, then he would play to the, the, the two or three receiver side. Um, but in this situation where it's a two by two, he's basically free. Um, just like s- simple type things. And then we always talk about palms too. Um, if you just just don't even think about this this free safety, uh, palms is almost like a trap in in a way as well, where they're reading um the two to one where if they both go vertical they play it like cover four so it's going to match them if he cuts out 
uh, this corner would, would jump it, right. and then the safety would play over the number one. Um, if this guy cuts out, then they're both just double teaming on, on, on the one. Um, so that's, that's palms as well. Like there's, there's a lot of different things. Um, and next year we're, I'm going to try to kind of get more into that type of stuff as well. get a little bit, uh, deeper with some things because, uh, I, people have really said that they've learned a lot from this show and I appreciate that. Um, now we're going to continue to get into even more of the nitty gritty. Uh, cause I, I, I like it and Marcus likes it. Obviously Marcus is a coach who played for NFL. So um, he knows what he's talking about, and um, I'm starting to. <laughs> so <laughs> let's uh, let's let's look at some other some other things I, I mentioned in here. Um, and one of the plays, and I, hold on, let me let me see here. So reading from this, um, like I said, every coach has a lot of fronts coverages, all that stuff. I showed you that one crazy that the, the cover six Kathy with the two traps, the trap from the safety on the two on the on whatever side and then the, the trap on the number two on the opposite side of the field on two by two set uh, just some crazy things. But you see, you see those type of zones, you see double teams, you see brackets, you see, you see peeling linebackers into coverage, uh, many blitzes from the secondary. You see a ton of defensive tackles and defensive uh, ends dropping into coverage. So they have mm-hmm. to be athletic. Like I said, um, a lot of confusion for the for the front seven, I, I would say, with his defense, and you need those athletic guys. And a lot of people, like I said, we talked about, and we'll get into some guys who got who didn't get their options picked up later. But like, oh, they're not going to run a four three, and then they cut a guy who's like a perfect three four nose tackle, and, and Mike Pennell. They didn't cut him, but they didn't pick up his options. So um, you're going to see guys who are superbly athletic on the defensive line who's going to to bring in. Um, now, in terms of the um, blitz packages. There's three that I that I noted in here, Marcus. Overload blitzes, which I like, which I said is is pretty self-explanatory. You're just overloading one side of the offensive line um, with more rushers that can be picked up. Um, there's blitzes where uh, he'll line up two nine techs, taking the tackles out of the play. So then you're isolating the the interior of the offensive line. There's many stunts and twists on the inter- interior of the offensive line, and then there's another one where I'm actually going to show an example of it. And I saw this a couple of times. Let me just pulled up on the computer um just give me one second here so okay oh all right so this is the one example i was can you see this marcus or did i stop sharing it stop sharing it stop sharing it um like i said i'm a little rusty too it's been like a month so (laughs) there's one there's there's a lot he does this blitz a lot where let me just play it so, and this is this is from a lot of different like fronts and stuff. I saw this, like I said, that's a lot of freaking movement, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, the, in the front. But he'll line up one guy usually on the side, usually on the side of the B gap that they're going to attack. He'll line up one guy um, wide. That this guy's in a wide. Oh, he's almost like a wide nine, but he's standing up. This I believe number twenty-two is Peppers. We'll line up one guy wide. He'll rush him, taking the tackle completely out of the tackle box, and he and he's gonna go all the way out here. They're, they pull a lot of guys from that side right. and just cross the faces of all the offensive linemen, pulling all the offensive linemen. Let's say in this in this scenario to the right or to the left, but in this scenario to the right, and then they blitz multiple guys up that B gap. So you, you pull a tackle out of here, you pull the offensive lineman out of here, and they overload this B gap. And like I said, you you put the running back in a situation where he's not going to win. Um, here you have two, you have 52 no. and 30, 38 coming through that B gap. He's not going to win in any way. Um, so what do you think about this blitz? And this is, like I said, something that I saw, I saw this a ton with a lot of the movement and, and moving guys out of their, uh, out of their kind of gap protection. 
Yeah, no, and, and this is, I mean, once the guys get it, you know, this is classic Greg Williams. You know, he likes to create a lot of movement. And you see with the, you know, with the with the front, you know, defensively, um, a lot of long stepping, you know, it's kind of what I call it. Uh, you know, when you're long stepping for, for those that, that don't know, a long step is when you're having a, a DN slant, a rush. It's usually like a gap or two gaps over. Two gaps is kind of like the extreme, but usually it's like a full, you know, a full gap over. Uh, which I think down here at the right, I think that's Miles Garrett. Yeah, my, you know, I was say starts, Miles Garrett right here is a good example. He starts outside and you know he kind of ends up in the A gap. So so you long step, and you can see him take that step. Obviously, and he gets to the A gap, and then like long you say, step, long, yeah, long step, step. <laughs> right? You, there you, you go. Step, yeah, bring two guys in the B gap. So you know, I love this, I love this kind of stuff. You know, I like the movement. You know, I think once you know guys understand why he's doing it and they they get the technical part of it of where they need to be, because honestly, even though even though this looks great, there's a lot of work that has to go into this because guys have to be in the right place, you know, in order to, you know, make this, you know, make this work and, and be effective at it. So, but it, it's a good, you know, it's definitely a great blitz, you know, he has a lot of those, you know, in his back pocket. So I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's one of the strengths of his defense. The, the multiple, the multiple looks, the, the blitzes, uh, like I said, that those trap plays, that's something that's really hard to read. Like, okay, you're a quarterback. You see, you see, you know, MoFo or middle of field closed, um, and you can see if it's a cover three, like right away. But when they're running like multiple traps with different, like with a freaking defensive tackle matching your number two to go into a trap with a nickel on that side playing as a safety, that other safety rotating over to the other side with that, with the safety who's on that side now playing a trap on the number two from the corner side that was blitzing. Like that's. <laughs> that's a lot, yeah. That's a lot. Now, now, can quarterbacks read that right away? No, not necessarily. And and you look at Greg Williams' track uh, track record against good quarterbacks. I'm not going to name the exact guys, but like against Breeze, Brady, Matt Ryan, uh, whoever else you want to say is up there. I'm not saying Matt Ryan is up there, but all these top quarterbacks, they all have lower quarterback ratings and they play against Greg Williams' defenses because he does that type of stuff. But like yeah. Marcus said, and like I'm going to continue to state, that does not happen in a year that he, that takes a couple of years of guys building. That's why you see a lot of coaches go from team to team. And they bring in some guys who can help out the other players understanding this stuff. Cause it, you don't just go into a system. Okay. I'm here. I understand the whole defense. There's just no freaking way with like 500 plays that people can run in the NFL. Right. Like crazy. Um, you said like offensive coach, I don't know. Defensive coaches a little bit less, but like offensive coaches have like 500 plays in their playbooks in different ways. You can run all those plays. It's like, I don't know. That's 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 a little bit over my level. I'm not going to yeah. tell you all the stuff that's happened. All those 500 <laughs> plays. There's no freaking way. Um, and another positive I I mentioned about his defense is with all this exotic stuff is that unlike Bowles' defense, um, Williams is going to have second. He's in, he's going to have secondary players either buzzing their feet if they are off, or if they um sorry if they if they're they're buzzing their feet if they are off they're not bailing. We saw a lot of bailing in uh, Todd Bowles' defense last year where you you know. Myself and you, Marcus, we'd be watching like third and five, maybe 10 yards off and bail. And they're like, what are they doing? Now, if, if Greg Williams is going to play off like he does in cover three, um, they're going to buzz their feet and they're going to be ready to react. Now, they'll open their hips when the guy is going to run by them, um, but they're not just going to open up automatically and, um, you know, just give the guy the first down like the Jets take. Especially if you're blitzing. If you're blitzing and you're bailing, that makes absolutely right. zero sense to me. And I don't know why the Jets did that last mm-hmm. year and all their years under Bulls because, like I said many times, the 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 purpose of a blitz is to get there quick. Why are you bailing? Press them and get in their face. So um, one of the yeah. one of the positives that, that I saw. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, you won't see a whole lot of bailing with Greg Williams. Guys are going to be sitting at seven, eight yards. 
depending on the down and distance, especially when we're talking about third down or he has blitzes coming, like those corners and even the safeties in the slot, whoever's going to be covering, like they're going to they're gonna be playing the sticks, you know, more times than not. So, yeah, don't – you know, whatever you saw last year, you can just throw all of that out the window because you, you, you won't see anything like that. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and it makes sense. Um, now, like I said, cover one, they're usually pressing. Cover two, you could, they, they play off or, or on. That, that depends. Um, but like I said, cover two, they're not going to bail anyway. Uh, and then cover three, they typically are playing off. You, could, you, could, you can see them press a little bit, but usually they are playing off in cover three. Now, getting into some of the weaknesses, um, one of the things that I noticed really, really quickly, um, and this is kind of goes into the blitzes and the blitz packages, um, but the predictability of some coverages, uh, primarily cover, cover three, you can see them. If those corners are on the outside and they're playing off, it's, it's going to be cover three, like 90% of the time. And then uh, Tampa two, the that's probably the one of the main problems with his defense is that middle linebacker who's got to drop into that deeper zone than the hook. Um, he's always playing back on and uh, you know right. like five six feet back from the um, from the other linebackers and other linebacker levels. So that's one of the issues I had with him is the predictability of the coverage. Um, so what do you think about what do you think about that? Well, those are really two coverages you can't disguise. So that's why, <laughs> like cover three and like Tampa, like there's really you can't really disguise cover three and tackle two. Like, you just can't, you know. So, uh, I mean, maybe by alignment initially, like, you can start up and then, like, walk your way back in. But, you know, once you walk back into it, depending on what the snap count is or if the quarterback, you know, decides, to, you know, obviously makes it, you know, it takes his time trying to diagnose it. Once he gets on the center and, you, you know, you get your key to start moving, then you kind of tell what the coverage is already. So with those two, like, I get it because those are hard to disguise, especially for the linebacker in Tampa. You know, if you got a guy that's got to get down the middle of the field, you know, everybody doesn't run like, for example, Derrick Brooks or Brian Erlacher. So, like, you're going to have to – they're going to have to line up an extra yard or so, you know, behind everybody else. So, so you're going to tip those two. The ones that, that you can disguise, obviously – um, out of two, for example, but even it'll still look different, you know, from Tampa. Like if you're playing two trap or if you're playing any kind of trap or like one hole or one cross or, you know, anything like that out of cover one, I mean, you can disguise that. I mean, it looks like cover one, but you don't know if there's a hole guy, if there's a cross guy, where that guy's coming from, you know, something like that. You can kind of disguise, you know, you can disguise that a little bit, but. But the reason why he probably doesn't care about those two is obviously one, you can't really disguise those two. And then the second reason is when you're running three and you're running Tampa, coverage is that simple. You should be able you – know, you get to the point where you can run those against any formation and any set. So, you know, regardless of what guys – you know, what the offense comes out in, you already know where your drops are, you're anticipating what the routes are, and, and you know, you can make the adjustments off, you know, based off what the formation is. So that's that's probably why you know in those two coverages you know he just you know it's it's predictable that he's gonna either be in three or Tampa just because mm-hmm. you know those reasons. Yeah, the one thing with Tampa is I, I mentioned it later in the article, actually a couple of sentences down, that um, with the linebacker Tampa too was it was it the the ability or the lack of ability um, for the linebacker to get into his pedal quickly or shuffle quickly that could be that could be possible. Now with the cover three, I, just and the reason I said it was predictable, I would like to see them press a little bit more. Um, because when you come to the line of scrimmage, you just see him 10, 10 yards off every single time. You could, you could tell pretty, pretty quickly, but I definitely mm-hmm. do uh, understand your point. Uh, so, but let's get into, I guess we can keep moving forward. 
Um, let's see what else there is that I, that I mentioned. Like I said, um, the problem is with watching a lot of film, I don't know if you have the same problem, Marcus, maybe you have a better, you have a bigger like expansion of your mind. But when I watch too much, when people ask me questions about certain guys, I'm like, I got to look back on my notes because I forget some crap. Um, Mm -hmm. and I kind of forget about some things with, with, uh, Greg Williams defense, but, um, some of the other things that we talked about, um, is and some of the other weaknesses that I mentioned was in terms of being predictable, uh, which we talked about a little bit. Rotating coverage pre to post snap was something that did not happen a lot, and I said right. that before. That's most likely because of the blitzes. When you're sending guys from everywhere, if, we, if you're sending guys from everywhere and you want them to rotate the coverage, uh, the, the offense can just pick that apart with a lot of quick hitters. Um, right. If you're going to rotate, whatever it may be, like I said, quick hitters. So that's something that I, I kind of listen to the weakness, but it's something that's almost like a necessary necessary evil if you're going to blitz a lot. You can't rotate a lot. That's right. just what it is. Um, so getting into some more things, um, I said that, you know, when it was middle of the field open, it was middle of the field open. When it was middle of the field closed, it was middle of the field closed. But we kind of discussed why um, that is. Now moving on to some other of the weaknesses. And this is more on the player personnel that he needs to have on, on his defense. When you're blitzing, Marcus, you need corners who could play man. Now, do the Jets right. have that right now? That's that's a big question. It is a big question. If we were to really evaluate it right now, I think if Jermaine Johnson shows up, then you have you probably have one, and then mm-hmm. you know, really one main guy that you can really depend on in playing man coverage. So, obviously, not sold on Claiborne, not really sold on Buster Screen. Claiborne, why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, right now, I would have to say no. You know, they, they've only got one guy. You know, and that's if Tremaine Justin decides, you know, decides to show up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that regard, probably you keep Claiborne and all the, you know all the other guys. You probably get a lot more. You know, you probably get a lot more three. If they if he pick, does it in spots, they they may be able to get away with it. You know, so like every now and then, you throw in like a couple one like a third down or, or something like that. But, you know, if we're talking about doing it consistently, then I would say no. Yeah, um, it's a concern. That's one of the biggest needs. I think that's probably the third biggest need on the Jets team right now where you have outside linebacker, you have offensive line being the number one and two, whichever one you want to put first. But corners, dude, Claiborne's a free agent. Screen is a free agent. The only thing we have other than that is Daryl Roberts and, and like Perry Nickerson. So they don't have anything right there um, that can do that. And – you need guys in blitzing schemes. You, you need one guys who can cover and you need guys who can tackle. If all these guys are blitzing and, and a guy busts free, whether it be through the, through the line of scrimmage or out on a swing or whatever it may be, you need corners who can tackle as well. So this scheme definitely asks a lot from your corners. Um, and the Jets don't have it. They, they might need to bring screen back as well, even though, listen, screen is a below average starter in the NFL. I'm more, I, know, I know you're going to agree with me. A lot of people think that Perry Nickerson, who was a sixth-round draft pick last year, a fifth-round draft pick, that he can just step in and start for screen. There's a difference between being a backup and a bad starter. That's that's a big gap. If you if you're if you're coming right. in as a backup who's never played before, you'll be lucky to be a, a bad starter. Like a bad starter is at least capable. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah. that's something that they just can't do right now. And with with Buster Screen, he likes those physical corners who can blitz, as I showed with that Kathy look. Right. Um, Buster Screen is a really good blitzer, so they might bring him back for for a lesser price than like seven million dollars, whatever whatever he's making. Um, and one of the weaknesses of the defense was some of the uh, with some of those gap exchanges with the t- with the twist and the stunts. You have guys moving, you know, uh, 
horizontally, which allows offensive linemen to knock them off their spot a little bit more if they are smart offensive linemen, um, which can lead to big runs. It can lead to big gains. So it's kind of, like I said, it's a necessary evil with the, with the, with the blitzing scheme. You're going to hope you get there more times than not, but it's going to result in some big plays. Um, so, but in, in terms of the run game, like I said, uh, just a, a, there was problems with it. For many reasons, uh, the three top ones I listed, you need athletic players to properly execute these, uh, those type of plays with the stunts and all that stuff. Um, and when you're more athletic, you can't hold up as, as, as well in the run game, unless you're a guy like Aaron Donald, um, you know, who's a freak, but when you're more athletic, you're less, pro- you're less powerful, which means you can get pushed around a little bit more. Um, you, and I also mentioned a smart offensive lineman who picks up on movement or all the movement, um, and Greg Williams front seven is a dangerous man versus his, versus his defense because, um, they know, you know, how to move those defensive linebackers or defensive linemen and linebackers out of the way to create those, those really, really big holes. Um, any thoughts on that? And then we'll get into some random thoughts and observations from the defense. No, I mean, other than that, wasn't, um, and I'm trying to remember, because Russell, Russell Screen was in Cleveland, right? Yeah. Was he there when Greg first got there, I want to say? Um, no, he's been with the Jets since 2015. So he's, this is going to be his fifth year with the Jets. How was he there? This is Russell Screen's fifth year with the Jets? Yeah. Okay, well, then, no, he wasn't there. He was, he was gone there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I thought there may be, like, a little bit of connection there while he may bring him back. Um you know, I mean, and because, but like you said, I mean, and I, and I don't disagree with that at all. Just because, I mean, Buster is a good, you know, is pretty good at blessing. Um, I think he, you know, he would fit into what, what Greg Williams likes to do. Um, so that could be a possibility. Now, you know, I guess the other side of that coin is, you know, when it's time to cover, you know, is he going to be able to cover? Mm-hmm. So you can't just be a good blister and, and not be able to cover in, in, in this defense. So that would have to definitely, definitely get better uh i mean other than that yeah i don't have really anything to really add to what you said mm-hmm. or whatever i mean the aggressiveness you know that he shows you know up front a lot of movement uh, a lot of blitzing overload blitzes things like that uh i mean that's you know that's what greg williams has been doing for a long time now he's added he's added some things because i know back in the day he wasn't really dropping and back in the day it was a little bit more traditional so he wasn't dropping you know d tackles the way that he does now he drops you know a back lot. then yeah yeah he was wasn't doing a whole lot back then. He would do it every now and then. And usually it would be, you know, probably sometimes it would even be the nose, you know, the way he would do it if we're talking about crossing routes and that kind of stuff. But he doesn't do it, you know, he didn't do it as much uh, before as he does now. He's definitely evolved that defense into something to where you, you don't know who's dropping at this point, so, which which I like, you know. I, and, yeah. and the predictability of coverage and things like that, I don't have a problem with that just because – you but but – I don't have a problem with it because you got to have guys that are good enough to be able to play everything and see everything out of the coverages that, you know, that he calls. Yeah. It, <clears throat> it demands a lot from, from the players. That's, that's for sure. From the corners being able to play man and, and tackle from the front seven being able, you know, athletic enough and smart enough with all the gap exchange and that type of stuff. Now some random thoughts and observations that I, that I marked down. Um, and he did dr- drop those D tackles and DNs like a lot. And there's plays where he dropped both D tackles. There's plays where he dropped D tackles and DNs into coverage. It's kind of crazy. Some of the things, uh, he dropped Miles Garrett into coverage a yeah. little bit too much for me, um, just because he is the the Browns' best pass rusher. But 
it's going to happen, especially the Jets got a guy like Josh Allen. He's a guy who is super versatile, so I think they're going to be dropping him a lot as well. Now, one of the one of the, one of the weaknesses I saw is way too much spot dropping from linebackers. I don't know if you've seen that as well from watching his defense, but I'm a guy, and I, I think you're a guy too, who likes a lot of rerouting um, and matching yep. while they're in the zone. But there's a lot of spot dropping, which is something that I think maybe – was it the linebackers or was it his coaching team? I don't know. <clears throat> That's something I noticed a lot where guys would just be running literally right next to guys, and, and instead of getting their hands on them and rerouting them and help the secondary players, they would just drop right next to them. Uh, so I did not like that. Uh, his linebackers and box players were very undisciplined or too aggressive, frequently not maintaining their gap responsibility or just playing out, playing the run poorly. Um, that has to do with a little bit with the gap exchange as well. Now, for the people who were worried about Jamal Adams and, oh, well, he played Peppers, you know, 30-yard backs, which he calls their, their angel position, um, like a cover three. Um, but he used Peppers right. in the box more than he used him even as a secondary player. So that's not, a, that's not a concern. I think Adams fits very, very well in this defense. Something I already mentioned, he likes very versatile, uh, you know, athletic front seven type players. Uh, and need to be athletic enough to execute stunts, twists, gap exchanges, etc. Um, had Garrett standing up in a, as a seven or nine tech often. Uh, had Chris Smith. This is what I said: a two hundred and sixty-six pound lineman as a three, four eye tech in in two man fronts at times. Uh, thoughts? Uh, I think that's because of the gap exchange and, like you said, the the what do you call it? the the long. Yeah. Actually, what you, you said before the cover cover one uh, cross is. I, I think that's what I call cover one jump. Is that just where if if they if if somebody's gonna cut quickly across the field, the the safety uh, the safety yeah. jumps it, and then the corner from the outside replaces that zone. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's coming from the other side. So yeah, okay. So cross. Yeah, call, so the guys just coming from the other side of the jump. When you call a cover one cross, I just call it cover cover one uh, jump. So, but regardless, uh, Wait, like, no. okay. There's always there's always different terminology. I'd rather use your terminology. I I've read it from probably I have no idea where. I'd rather use yours. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there were some tackling issues with the defense. Um, he plays his corners on three three wide receiver sets uh, awful lot to avoid picks and rubs, which is good because with the Jets last year, what do we see? Marcus guys playing on the yep. same level. Yeah. Um, he will press his corners. Um. Other than that, none of no, not a ton of blown uh, defenses. He doesn't go dime, quarter, dollar often, uh, which is another big thing because he doesn't. He'll he'll play nickel, but he's not going dime or quarter, which is which you, you go from nickel five defensive backs to six right. with dime to quarter to seven to dollar with eight. So he demands a lot from his linebackers, even if it's a if it's a ten personnel set or eleven personnel set. Or even if it's empty, sometimes there there's still two three linebackers in the game um, who aren't you know secondary or who aren't safeties playing that linebacker role. But uh, so he definitely demands a lot of the linebackers as well. Um, now, in terms of how these guys, some of the Jets fit into the, we'll do, we'll do it quickly so we can get out of here, um, and we'll just kind of talk about players who are either more fitted into into his defense or less suited to fit into his defense. The guy I talked about. Um, Jamal Adams, I, I think he fits better into this defense. He had peppers yeah. down the box plenty. Uh, he had a ton of, you know, creative blitzes, um, meaning that Adams would have an uptick in sacks. Where, where Jamal Adams did blitz with the, with the, with Todd, under Todd Bowles' defense, but I think he's going to blitz even more with Greg Williams. Um, and I think all that confusion in the in the front with the with the offensive line versus defensive line, Adams is going to have more open, uh, you know, lanes to to get to the quarterback. So do you do you agree with that? Do you think he's better in Bowles' uh, defense, or how do you see that? No, I, I think he's good in, in Coach Williams' defense. I mean, because honestly, Peppers and, and Jamal Adams are the same guy. You know, to tell you the truth, you know, decent in coverage. 
you know, you can get by with him covering tight ends, things like that. You know, good run players, good blitzers. So mm-hmm. I think he's, I mean, I think he's, you know, he's perfect for it. Yeah, I, I think Jets fans uh, might be coming to your facility right now because you just called Jamal Adams Jabil Preppers. I think Marcus thinks he's a better player. <laughs> no. Okay, though. Well, I mean, um, he's, he's probably, I don't know if, if Peppers isn't injured the way that he is. I mean, that kid can play now. Yeah. I mean, I, no, I, I understand what you're saying, but that dude can play. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's just be honest. You know, let's just call a spade a spade. They can't can play. So, yeah, so, no, yeah, hey. Um, and when I say they're the same guy, meaning that they do the same things in regards to bit. how they play. Blitzing, mm-hmm. close, some, you know, they're close to the box, cover tight ends, things like that. You know, they're not just like true, you know, they're more they're more the, the fifth guy, in, for example, like in the 4 two, 5 They're that slash, you know, the half – you know, the half safety, half corner kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Marcus May, I, I think he's kind of a wash. I think he's, I think he's the same in both. Uh, with Todd Bowles, he played that cover one high uh, or w- with the cover three defense with the uh, angel position that they call with Greg Williams. He's going to be playing very, very high. But at times, he also did have safeties rotating down into the box. Uh, Marcus May is both a good deep player and a good guy in the box. So I think he's kind of a wash. Uh, Tremaine Johnson. Um, I think he's a better uh, one. He one he played with him in the Rams, um, and mm-hmm. I definitely think that he's better with it with his defense. One he's gonna be he's gonna be pressing more and uh, more traps, uh, more trap defenses for a guy like Tremaine Johnson. I think is a good thing because one one of the biggest things I learned about Tremaine Johnson over the years, I think he's a very smart player for the most part. Um, yeah. And more traps, I think it, it equals more picks for Tremaine Johnson. So I think he's better in this defense as well. Do you agree with those two guys? No, I, I yeah I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's more. Tremaine Johnson is one of those guys that you kind of have to keep busy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, because he'll get bored he's out bored, there. Yeah, yeah, he gets bored. So if you're doing a lot of traps, you know, you're changing the coverages, you're doing things like that. You know, I think it responds better. You know, to to coaching like that as opposed to just playing one. You know, just playing one thing. You know, for example, like what the Jets did most of the time. You know, you just see them playing man or you playing D three. You know, when you start mixing things in, you know, with him, I think. You know, he's a little bit more excited to get, you know, and he's more dialed in as opposed to, you know, just out there. Now, what do you think? What are your opinions on uh, Claiborne and, and Screen? Do you think they're better fits, you know, uh, or, or worse fits? Uh, with Buster Screen, that's what I said. I like him because he's a good blitzer, but yeah. I don't know about, about, you know, the covering skills at the nickel position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I, just because Claiborne is, like, usually all over the place, I <laughs> I just, I just, he didn't fit either. To tell you the truth, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, honestly, the way that Dallas plays, that the Cowboys play their defense now. When you're talking about they play a lot of two, a little bit of man, like every nine man, you know, probably throwing some fire zones, you know, like stuff like that. I think he's better suited for that than you know the, than Bo's defense or you know or Greg Williams' defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, screen, I, I think it's, I think it's a better fit. I don't know why I put neutral there, just because they're more blitzing. Um, but at the same time, he, he's going to have more on his plate in terms of coverage. He's not going to have money. Hell, so actually, I did put neutral. I might, I might agree with that because blitzing, yeah, but he's had more pressure on, on, on him in coverage and man. So I'm not, uh, I don't know. And Claiborne, I don't right. know if he's a good <laughs> I don't like Claiborne really at, at all. Yeah. Um, now going through the linebackers, I'll go through the three linebackers, three main linebackers quickly. Avery Williamson, I think he's a, I think he's a worse fit because with a 4-3, you're going to ask more from your linebackers. 
and in Tampa too. Uh, Avery Williamson's more of a banger. He can cover a little bit, but he's more of a banger uh, when right. you're asked to do more in coverage and, and asked to drop in that deep zone in the, in the Tampa too. I think he's a worse fit. Um, Darren Lee, I think, is a better fit, even though it's it, it takes a little bit more mentally to understand his defense. I think just that overall athleticism, right. athleticism um, is going to show up a lot more in – in his defense, and even if four three versus three four, uh, Darren Lee is a is a better four three linebacker. No, agreed. Yeah, because just think about it logistically. You have three guys on the down defensive line and five offensive linemen. You're gonna have more of those five offensive linemen moving up to the second level. So in a three four, you gotta be able to bang a little bit. Four three, you're gonna be kept a little more clean because there's more defensive linemen to hold those those offensive linemen to getting to to you. So Lee is a better right. fit. Williamson's probably a worse fit. We'll see how that how that happens. Uh, Jordan Jenkins. Um, I don't think he's a fit as a four three end. What do you, what do you think about about Jordan Jenkins? Like, like I mentioned here, um, I don't think you can rely on him to be the primary rush guy as a four three end. And I also don't think he's athletic enough to stand up in this defense. So yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, I just think the way that Greg Williams likes to move his, you know, he moves his fronts around. I I just don't think he's athletic enough to do it. So no, I would agree with that. Yeah, athletic, even like athletic enough, and he's even like he's like two sixty. I don't think he's like necessarily strong enough. Even if you want to put him down with his hand in the dirt, can he can he take can he take a you know a block from a tackle, um, and you know where the tackle's trying to force him inside instead of just holding his edge on the tackle, which is a little bit different. Um, right. So Leonard Williams, I think Leonard Williams is. is I think he's almost like neutral um, because I think he's fine in a 3-4, but I think in terms of like fans, what they're going to see is him get more numbers because of all the movement and, and he's going to have more help in terms of, you know, there's three guys next to him instead of two. Um, so I think Leonard Williams actually going to have an uptick in this defense. I think just for fans, he's going to be – he's going to definitely uh, feel like he's, he's playing better. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And he'll be doing something similar to what he did at SC before he got to the Jets. Not, not as much two-gapping, you know, just the technical gap, getting the vertical, moving around, you know, making a lot of, you know, having a lot of movement, you know, a little bit more freedom, you know, on, on the front as opposed to, you know, taking on blocks and, you know, yeah. things like that. So, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, just because, it just, like I said, sim- in, in simpleton terms, he's not going to have to two-gap. He's going to have to – he's going to penetrate more, which he can do. He's going to get more sacks. You know, it's right. just – that's just as simple as that. Um, McClendon, uh, we'll, we'll see. I like McClendon a lot more than other people do. Um, maybe he's a little bit more suited to Bulls defense. I think he's athletic enough to move a little bit, but he's probably more suited to Bulls defense just because, like I said, the athleticism. He's still like 300 pounds, and there's not a lot of guys who are 300 pounds running around in, in his defense. Um, Henry Anderson, I don't know. Yeah, my, right. thoughts, my thoughts on him are that he's not athletic enough to play defensive end in the system, and then on the inside, he's going to get eaten up a little bit because people say, oh, well, he's 300 pounds. He's 300 pounds. He's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, um, right. So I think he's a worse fit in this in this defense as well, um, Marcus. And I don't know what you think. No, I think I think because of the movement and because of his length, even though he's three hundred, I think he he'll be all right. I think he can get away with that. Cool. You know, tell you the truth, yeah. Just because being that tall and yes, he's three hundred pounds, but if you're six six three hundred, um, he can still move a little bit. And you know, just because, like I said, of the length, you know, being able to mm-hmm. you know press gaps, you know. Um, you know, get penetration you know, that we saw, you know, I mean, honestly, this year that, you know, what he did, he's good with his hands. I think he may be all right, you know, to tell you the truth. I mean, he's always going to be moving around at different spots. Yeah. You know, so I, I think he may be – I think he'll be a guy that's probably okay. You know, well, yeah, and uh, that was – um, 
Something I mentioned like a little bit where I thought about like three, four versus four, three. I'd rather have Henry, Henry Anderson in a three, four on the outside, like, like two Gavin because of that length, but right. The thing with versus four, three, but a four, but the difference with Greg Williams is four, three is he, 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 a lot of athleticism, a lot of moving around and, and Henry Anderson can move around a little bit. Um, so we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what happens to that. The Jets don't have to re-sign him too as well. So we'll right. see what happens. Right. Uh, we're going to quickly go over the new coaching staff. Uh, we already, we've already spent a lot of time. Um, new coaches on the staff. We were talking about uh, Dowell Law games, whatever. We talked about Sean Jefferson when you weren't here. Um, running back coach uh, Jim Baum Cooter, who was the former offensive uh, coordinator from the Lions and quarterback coach from 2015 to 2018. Uh, any thoughts on Jim Bob Cooter? Have you ever heard anything about him? Uh, not coaching running backs. I mean, from my understanding, he's supposed <laughs> to be just, you know, the quarterback whisperer, you know, or one of many. So, um, you know, I think oh, having okay. somebody – but I think having somebody like him – yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about Jim Bob being being a running backs coach, but being the OC and the quarterback coach in, in Detroit, obviously you got two guys whose philosophy, you know, philosophy I would assume is similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got two good offensive minds, you know, so they can get more creative with the offense. You got another set of eyes. They can, you know, like I said, throw things, you know, throw stuff up against the wall and see what works. So it just gives you you just you just get a different perspective. So I, I actually like that there's two OCs you know, kind of meet with each other and that are in the same room. Yeah, and that's something I mentioned, like, before, like, with, like, Todd Bowles, like, okay, well, people hate him as a head coach. People are probably going to love him as a defensive coordinator again. When you, like, kind of take that a step down where, like, you were an OC and a quarterback's coach, now you're just going to running back's coach. Like, I think that's going to, to help him. And I think, uh, like I said, having a whole bunch of offensive minds in there, um, I, I think that's a good thing. Offensive assistant is Bo Hardgrave. I've never heard anything about him. I'm not going to, you know, Wikipedia him. I don't, have you ever heard anything about him or no? Uh, no, I hadn't heard a lot about him. About, okay, about so um, moving on to – and this is the, one of the interesting hires. Senior defensive at, uh, assistant and slash outside linebackers coach is Joe Vitt, uh, who was the senior director of football and player development in Miami last year, 38 uh, years of coaching experience. He is the father-in-law of Adam Gase, which can get a little interesting. Nine yeah. years of NFL coaching experience. Um, both him and Greg Williams were on the staff for Bounty Gate. He accused uh, Greg Williams of lying. He said players didn't take him seriously because of his false bravado and shtick. Apparently, they've come to terms a little bit, and, and they've kind of, like, mended their differences. But at the same time, if they get really pissed off at each other, it's not going to come out again. So it's, like, one of my worries. <clears throat> I don't know why they're necessarily bringing in two guys who went at it during Bounty Gate. But, uh, so I did not love that hire for sure. But then again, it's his father-in-law. So, like, you're not going to hire your father-in-law? That might be a problem, too, with you and your wife. I don't know. It's a mess. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing about here's the thing about about really football in general. Um, you know, especially with coaches, there's a lot of teams where a lot of coaches don't like each other, mm-hmm. but they respect each other in regards to working with each other, what they bring to the table, things like that. Everybody, everybody doesn't have a personal relationship or you know, or friends, you know, on the coaching staff. You know, especially when you're talking about you know, in the NFL where it's a production based, you know, based business and guys just need to go in and handle that business. So there's not a lot of that going on. And I don't think, you know, I think Vitt and, and Williams are at the, at the point where, you know, that's been years ago when Bounty Gate happened. Uh, you know, all of that's been, you know, all of that's, you know, probably was hashed before anybody even said anything about it. You know, they just want to get to work and try to help out Gates and help the team out the best way they can. Mm-hmm. And dudes like that, usually that's what they do. You know, no no nonsense dudes because that's what Joe Vitt is too now. Joe Vitt, don't, you know, he doesn't take a lot of shit either. So, you know, it's just like, 
you know what, look, I know we had whatever we had and, you know, let's just like go ahead and squash this. And, you know, maybe Vic was saying something, you know, to try to cover for somebody else. And Greg Williams was doing the same, doing Vatigate because all of that was a mess. You know, just, you know, move on, you know, squash it, talk about it, get moving because, because here's the thing. Before Bounty Gate came out and everything was going on, you didn't hear hear anything about that going on before that, did you? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously, they work with each other. And you don't, you know, we never know what goes on behind closed doors, obviously. But they obviously were cool enough with each other to continue to work with each other, you know, before the whole Bounty Gate thing came out. And obviously, with Vic being there, they were both involved in it. So, you know, you coming out and saying, well, a lot of players didn't like Gray Williams. It's just kind of like, eh. Like, all right, man, but you were right there in the room with him and you knew what was going on too. Mm-hmm. So I don't really buy into – I don't buy into all of that because if one's doing it, all is, you know, every, everybody usually knows about it in some form or fashion. Now, you may not know the extent, but everybody usually knows about it and you just choose to partake or you don't partake. That's the thing. So I don't see that being an issue and particularly since, you know, since, you know, the whole father-in-law thing, you know, with Adam Gates, you know, I think, you know, it's been clear that, hey, I'm a hire this dude, like y'all need to – you know, hash this out and so we can, you know, so we can come up here and be successful. So I don't, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah. And apparently like, uh, what is it called that? Like Joe Vitt was like telling um, <clears throat> Adam Gates to try to bring in Greg Williams before Greg Williams went to, went to the uh, Browns too. So maybe they, they, like I said, they hash out a little bit. There definitely is a lot of hotheads. It's a little bit different going from like guys like Todd Bowles, who is a statue and Casey Rogers, who is a statue to guys like Joe Vitt and Greg Williams and Adam Gates. It's going to be a little bit of different, uh, you know, kind of feel on the sidelines. Right. Uh, Brant Boyer back as a special teams coach. The Jets had like the number one ranked special teams in the NFL last year. So that's obviously great. Denard Wilson is a guy who people yep. are still clamoring over. I understand it because he's with Williams when Williams was with the Rams. I'm not yep. a huge Denard Wilson fan, but it's it's somebody who knows your scheme. So that's, that's completely fine. I'm just not like, I'm not like salivating over Denard Wilson like other fans are because like literally what happens, Marcus, on Jets Twitter is, People hear one good thing three years ago, but that's because that's the only thing they know about a guy. Those consistently say for the next 20 years that he's good. Even if his corners always suck, he's just great because they heard one good thing one time. Um, Assistant head coach, defensive inside linebackers coach, uh, Frank Bush had the same role with the Dolphins in 2017-2018. Offensive assistant is, like I said, Bo Hargrave, um, who was a quarterback coach in Miami from 2016 to 2018. Defensive line coach is Andre Carter, same role with Miami, 17-18. And then three coaches that weren't on uh, Gase's staff in Miami's uh, tight end coach, Joe Dunn. Uh, he was UConn's assistant head coach, offensive coordinator last year. Offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, who I talked about last time I was on here, um, is really, really highly regarded, did some good things with the Bengals. And he was like the yep. main piece of developing the Cowboys from 2014 to 2017, that great offensive line. So that's a that's the best hire they made minus – you know, Williams or whoever. I think that's positional coach is the best one. Offense mm-hmm. uh, or assistant offensive line coach is Derek Fr- uh, Frazier. He was Central Michigan's offensive line coach from 2015 to 2018. Any thoughts on any one of those guys um, before we move on to the last two coaches? No, it's just, um, I mean, I, I like the staff, especially Pollock, obviously, and, mm-hmm. and Greg Williams. I do like Frank Bush. Frank Bush is, is actually a hell of a, I mean, he's definitely a hell of a linebacker, you know, linebacker coach. And and he understands the game. I know he had, you know, he struggled a little bit when he became the D.C. in Houston. But, you know, overall, he's a good dude. And he's actually a really good coach, you know, specifically, like I said, at the, at the linebacker spot. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I like the staff. I mean, I like I, – I, I honestly, I love Vid Williams. You know, obviously, 
don't know much about Hargraves, you know, like we talked about. And, and Denard, I mean, I've heard good things about Denard. I don't know, you know, a ton about Denard, you know, or I'm not, like you said, salivating over Denard like everybody else is. But, you know, I heard that he's a good coach. But, you know, to your point, he knows the system. So he's yeah. been there. He understands how to teach it. So I think that'll be an easier transition, you know, working with Williams and, and knowing that. So he'll know, he'll be able to tell the guys exactly mm-hmm. what Williams expects, you know, instead of having to guess or trying to figure it out. Yeah, no, it's it's exactly what it is. It's it's like like a new coach moves in players who've been in this in their system before the new to their new team. It's more difficult for a coach like you know with their positional coaches. Okay, well, I'm teaching the positional coach my defense um, while I'm trying to teach your players. We're having a guy with uh, Denard Wilson who's already know that system, so he's, he already knows what's, what what uh, Greg Williams expects. You don't have to like teach the assistant as well. So, um, like I said, he I don't necessarily love all the things he did with the Jets, and we kind of place the blame like 50 50 or is it more players or is it more denard wilson what's going on there but uh there's definitely some things that both me and you picked apart literally every single jets game that we did not like with uh how the dbs are playing but uh <laughs> oh, oh i just actually did um right so other than that there's there's two more coaches um now the one other guy who i heard i've heard some issues with him i'm gonna google a little bit more about him defensive assistant uh blake williams I think this is the guy who was like with uh, he was with Cleveland. He was like stealing players' seats on the bus and things like that, and, like getting and yelling matches at players and stuff like that. Right. Uh, I, I don't love that. Um, but like I said, I don't know what goes on behind a closer. We'll, we'll <coughs> talk more crazy word positional coaches. But uh, and yeah. then there's one more guy, Eric Sanders, who was Cleveland's defensive quality control coach from 2016 to 2018 when uh, Greg Williams is there. Um, other than that, we'll wrap up quickly with some other ti- two other tiny little things. Like I said, just in Jets news, they didn't pick up Mike Pennell's option. I really like Mike Pennell, but moving on from a from a three four to to you know trying to transition to a four three, um, I think that's kind of an obvious type of move. Um, even though like whether it be like with an under right. or even an over, you still do have like a one tech. So maybe he could have fit in there, but with the athleticism that Greg Williams requires out of these guys, he just wasn't a fit at three hundred and forty pounds. Um, right. No doubt. <laughs> now, now, yeah. So now, if you're asking the two gap in the middle of that four three, and you have a little bit of a different look, sure. But is that is that worth paying him five six million dollars? No, it's not. Uh, the two right. moves I did not like: uh, Kevin Pierre Lewis, who blocked two punts last year for the Jets, and Terrence Brooks, who like who, Terrence Brooks, who like led the Jets team, um, a special teams team in tackles. Uh, it's two moves I didn't really that I didn't understand, Marcus. Maybe you can put some, I guess, like, I, I don't know, smarter thoughts out there. But I don't know why they got rid of two of their better special teams players who, like, were literally number one and two last year. Um, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis is a guy who, with the Chiefs, and I did a film review on him, like, last year, he's a guy who can move plenty. He's, like, almost like a Darren Lee type of player. Um, right. so I didn't understand those two. They didn't get cut, but they didn't pick up their options. So, Yeah, so, I mean, so I guess what they, what uh, – I guess what you're thinking is if they didn't pick up the fifth year option, then maybe they're just trying to restructure the contract to get them at a cheaper rate. That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, because there's when you have two guys like that, particularly on the special teams unit, and then they can also kind of fit into what it is that you do. I don't see why you would get rid of them unless, you know, one, you're trying to redo the deal, um, you know, and, and, and pay them a little bit cheaper, you know, whatever yeah. it is, instead of picking up the option, because you may think the option is too much or two, they're looking down the road in free agency and maybe some Cleveland guys that end up in New York. So those are the only two, you know, really the only two reasons why I would think, you know, that they would get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what I hope because I like both of those guys as backup type players, even though for whatever reason, when, when uh, Marcus may went down, they had Daryl Roberts playing um, as a deep, you know, center field safety, which made no sense because Terrence Brooks showed he can do that, but whatever. Right. 
Um, now, the only other thing I want to hit on really quickly, because I've been seeing it a lot over Twitter the last two weeks is, and I'll just ask you straight up, Leonard Williams for a second round pick. Uh, people have been saying that over and over again. Oh, get a second round pick. Get a second round pick for Leonard Williams. Get, he's, he's not a fit. One, I think he fits his, his defense just as well. And for fans, he'll fit even better because he'll get an uptick in sacks. And people act like second round, for whatever reason, like I get draft picks are important, but people just act, okay, second round pick, that means we're going to get another starter. Um, let me just say the last like six or seven Jets players who are second round picks, Vlad Dukas, Stephen Hill, Gino Smith, Jason Morrow, Devin Smith, Christian Hackenberg, and Marcus May, who's solid when he's in, but he's been hurt a lot. So you think Leonard Williams is worth a second round right. pick just for another <laughs> shot in the bucket? It's, I think it's a really, really dumb idea. Keep the guy around. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. I mean, you've already you've got enough cap space. You got plenty of. I mean, you can always mm-hmm. you know deal with picks you know during the draft. But I wouldn't trade Leonard Williams. I think he fits what Gray Williams does. You know, does perfectly. Tell you the truth. Uh, so no, I mean, I, I know everybody's thinking, you know, trade Leonard Williams because, it, and it may just be that association, you know, with Bowles and the way that Bowles used him. But you have to remember who he who he was before he got to you know to New York. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a penetrating gap player. When he was at, you know, when he was at SC, excuse me, at USC, you know, coming to New York. So, if anything, you know, you know, just I would say that they just used him wrong, you know, for you know for you know for the skill set that he has. But with great, I think he's able. I think he'll be able to, you know, be athletic enough. He's good with his hands already. Where I know that, and you know, getting good penetration. You know, whenever, you know, there was some one gap, you know, sometimes where he can you know, just penetrate and, and take one gap, I think he fits. So, no, I, I think that's dumb. He's one of your better players. Just keep yeah. him around. The chances of you, even if you, even if Leonard Williams isn't what he, like, okay, sixth overall pick, maybe he's not exactly what fans thought he would be. Um, there's not many times you're going to hit on a second-round pick who's going to be, even if he's not a pro bowler, he's like a really, really solid player to a pro bowler. I think this right. year, after playing more in a 4-3 and penetrating, he probably will be in the Pro Bowl because, um, if anything, he had more of an issue over his Jets tenure with, with anchoring versus double teams and combo blocks. Right. Where right. he now he's able to use that athleticism on stunts and twists and all this stuff um, and going from the A, ba- a gap to the B gap or whatever it may be. Uh, I think he's going to be better in, in this system, actually. We're not like thinking about it. So um, don't get rid of him. Why? Oh, yeah, no, I do too. Yeah, so I just like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, people are like, oh, well, you know, no, he's owed, I, he's owed fourteen million dollars or whatever it is on his fifth year option. The Jets have a hundred million dollars in cap space. Keep him around. See if you can you can extend them right. for thirteen, fourteen million dollars a right. year. At least, at least, at least, at least, yeah, at least give him a year to see if he fits in the exactly. system, which we both think he does. You know, like I said, I just think they just use him wrong. You know, he's not he, even coming out of college. He wasn't a two gap player. You know, he, yeah. He's always been a one gap guy. So when they decided to go three four and and make him more of a two-gap guy as, you know, as opposed to, you know, you know, being in a one-gap three-four system, you know, I think that's what hurt him, you know, and everybody's, you know, asking for sacks and which I get, because if you draft a guy number six overall, you're looking for sacks, you're looking for, you know, I mean, you're looking for a lot, you know, run stops, TFLs, like I get it, but in the system that he was in, he wasn't allowed to do that. So now that he'll be in a system that he is allowed to do that, I think you'll see his play and I think you'll see his numbers go up. Yeah, yeah, it's because people literally go on Google Leonard Williams sacks and then they see that he only had like five last year or whatever it was. Like, oh my God, we draft him at six. Getting sacks in a two-gap scheme in three, four, especially when you have the, the, the lack of talent the Jets have had over the last couple of years, one with covering the secondary if he is trying to get there and two with the outside linebackers, which is helping him like not at all with, with uh, combo blocks and, and getting some tension away from him. Um, 
I think it's crazy to, to, to trade him for a second round pick. And now people are also saying, oh, well, don't get – dude, I, we're going to talk a lot about draft prospects. Quinton Williams is number one on my board, number one. And people are saying, oh, well, if he's at three, don't, yeah. don't, don't trade him. Or, I mean, don't pick him, trade down. If you get Quinton Williams and Leonard Williams in the inside of a 4-3 scheme, oh, I don't even know. Oh. That's seriously probably the best tandem minus, like, uh, Donald and Sue if Sue is still there. Sue, but uh, right. interior pressure right. over outside pressure all day for me. Um, yeah. But we'll talk about that more as the draft comes up. Uh, Marcus, any, any closing thoughts before we, uh, before we get out of here? Oh, no, nothing to shoot other than that. I'm just ready to get started, really, with my season there, which is, yeah. you know, with the offseason. You should talk about, <clears throat> about Jets and you got the draft coming up. And, and especially because this is, you know, D-line and, and really, like, pass rushers, you know, this is a – you know, in this mm-hmm. year's draft, you know, it's heavy at those positions. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be excited to talk about that. Top heavy is going to be crazy. I'm, I'm excited to review some of those defensive players because uh, – I think Quinn Williams offers more than any defensive lineman player in the draft since Aaron Donald. I think he really is that good technique-wise, the ability to move at like 290 pounds that he is. Uh, a lot of people try to compare him to Oliver. I, I don't think Oliver is even close as technically refined as Williams, and, and he gets stood up a lot by strength and, and good technique offensive linemen. So uh, talk about him. Right. Josh Allen's a freaking freak. It's We're going to have some fun for sure, but uh, – Stay tuned for that. Um, like I said, next week I'm going to have the review of, of Le'Veon Bell. I'm going to have probably two parts, so stay tuned for that. We'll do a, a free agency preview. We'll go over some of the guys um, who we think the Jets should either re-sign or, or just let go. We'll go over some targets and some guys who we think would fit well in Greg Williams' scheme um, and who would fit well um, in uh, what Greg Williams and Adam Gase. I forget what, what I said, but both those guys' schemes. Um, so that will be in a couple of weeks. Uh, like I said, if you can, leave a five-star rating and a review. If, if you have five minutes of your day to do that, we would greatly appreciate it. And we will see you uh, next week. Yep, see you next week.